The Extra Pack of Peanuts Travel Podcast, Episode 3. The highest point in Pennsylvania is lower than the lowest point in Colorado. I'll show you Paris in the morning. I'll show you London afternoon. If you feel your Dublin heart is burning, yeah, well, you don't have to worry. Hello, travel nerds, and welcome to the Extra Pack of Peanuts Travel Podcast, the show that will inspire you to travel and then show you how to do it on any type of budget. I'm Trav, the creator of Extra Pack of Peanuts, and with me today is a very special guest, a guy who just celebrated a birthday last week, a guy who's certainly one of the most stylish travel bloggers out there, and someone who has the most interesting lifestyle of any person I've encountered, Colin Wright of ExileLifestyle.com, who I believe is coming to us today from the bustling metropolis of Missoula, Montana. Colin, <laughs> thanks for joining the show. Welcome, and of course, happy birthday. Hey, thanks so much for having me. And yeah, thank, thanks for the happy birthday, too. So, tw- 28 now, right? 28 years old, yeah. I'm starting to feel the years. Just wait till you hit 30. It just happened. <laughs> Oh, fantastic. Yeah. Well, 30. I mean, that's that's a kind of a tipping point because then you get to be 20 again, right? Right. Well, that's I, I don't ever think I left the 20s. So, <laughs> All right. so Con, uh, like I said to start, um, your lifestyle is very unique. It's unlike any I've really heard about, uh, even different from, I guess, what we call like normal or regular travel bloggers or bloggers. <laughs> if, I don't know if that's even such a thing. Um, so if you wouldn't mind, why don't you just start by telling us kind of what you do, um, what your lifestyle is like, and how it came about. Why did you start doing what you do? Sure. Well, I, I run a blog, which is kind of the, the focal point of a lot of my activities called Exile Lifestyle. And through that blog, I, I write about all kinds of things. More and more, it's been a whole lot of kind of philosophical underpinnings of things and maybe a little bit of stories explaining why I believe certain things or do certain things within business and such. Uh, but I also talk quite a bit about travel in that and in my newsletter and such. Uh, and through that blog, my readers vote on what country I move to every four months or so. Uh, and so so in that way, I'm kind of given this a little bit of a surprise, kind of a birthday present every four months. <laughs> where I find out where I'm going, and then a week or two later, I, I leave for that place and kind of set up a life. I, I try to put down some roots. I try to live like a local as much as possible. Uh, and then I take those experiences and do what I will with them. In some cases, it ends up being just inspiration for the blog. In some cases, I end up turning the experiences into a book uh, and, and putting those on the market. And then sometimes I just live there. And I just by living, become a little bit better version of myself, I like to think, and uh, get, get to see the world from a slightly larger perspective. Yeah, that's definitely the unique part I was talking about. The fact that every <laughs> four months you move somewhere different, which is unique enough, right? But the fact that you don't decide where you're going next is even more distinct. And how did that come about? I mean, did you one day say, you know what, I, I want to put my life in everyone else's hands. And <laughs> you know, whoever's the first person to email me to come to their hometown, I'm coming. Like, what, what kind of uh, sp- spurred that on. 
it, it was a strange situation, actually, that spurred on the travel thing to begin with, because I had wanted to travel my entire life, and it, it, there was always just something that seemed more important at the time. Uh, I started my first business at 19, and, and from that point on, I was always in startup mode when all of my friends or family would go to Europe or go to Asia or whatnot. So... It, by the time I started traveling, I had never left the country. I had only just gotten my passport. It was that kind of that kind of pathetic thing where I wanted it so badly, but I was putting it off until this perfect moment in the future when I like had a million dollars to spend and, and do it right is what I told myself. I'll travel when I can do it right. Uh, and, and there was a couple revelatory moments in a situation where my girlfriend and I, the girlfriend that I was living with in Los Angeles, I was out there running a branding studio that was that was doing quite well, uh, a lot better than I thought it would be doing anyway. It was getting me very close to that million dollar goal by the time I was 25. That that was what I was aiming for at the time. Uh, and, and we found ourselves in this situation where we're sitting in a bar and we are finally opening up to each other about something that's been bugging us, that, that neither one of us, we're both happy but not as happy as we could be. Things are good, but they're not great. And we decided that night that we would uh, take some time, figure out what we want. In my case, it was to travel, but I didn't know exactly what that meant on a larger scale. In her case, it was to uh, to move and, and do some acting, uh, stage acting up in the Pacific Northwest. And uh, we would take four months to do this, and at the end of the four months, we would have a breakup party. And we would celebrate a, a wonderful relationship and then, you know, go our separate ways so that we're not standing in each other's way, but that we can still salvage the, the excellent friendship that we had so that we didn't hold on to something just to hold on to it and then hope, like ruin it right. uh, in doing so. And the result of that is that I started up the blog and just to kind of share what I was learning and talk about this kind of stuff because I had no idea what to do. And I started asking for advice because I figured everyone in the world knew better where to to go than I did. Uh, I I had never left the United States. I had only been to a handful of states in the U.S. Um, so everybody else's opinions seemed much more valid than my own. And, and because they they gave me such great advice and hooked me up with a lot of connections for the first country I went to, which was Argentina, uh, I, I kept asking. And uh, I'll continue to ask, too. I'm very fortunate to have these very informed, very interesting, uh, curious readers. So they give me uh, some very strange votes sometimes, but they always end end up making sense in the end. So did the idea of the four-month thing in a country, like, did it happen before you went to Argentina? You said, I'm going to go to Argentina four months, I'm going to go somewhere else. Or when you were in Argentina, did you think four months is enough, let's go somewhere else? I, I used four months as the, the rough guideline. I, I thought maybe I'll stay longer, maybe I'll stay shorter. But the idea was twofold. Uh, one, I, I managed to completely change my life and lifestyle in four months before I started traveling. I okay. had a townhouse on the beach. I was living the L.A. lifestyle. You know, <laughs> I had like eight computers for some reason and all that. And then I, I reduced my life down to what could fit into a carry-on bag. So I was able to get a lot done in four months. My entire life changed. So it seemed like a good amount of time. Uh, but also for United States citizens traveling to a place longer than 90 days is a challenge. Right. Usually 90 days you can do without too much trouble. Sometimes you don't even have to get a visa uh, until you just uh, you arrive and get a stamp and you're fine. Uh, so doing it longer than 90 days seemed like something that would add a little extra challenge yes. to the entire thing. Okay. Very cool. Very cool. So you went to Argentina first. At this point, how many different four-month vacations or whatever we want to call them. How many different places have you been now? I have lived in Argentina, New Zealand, 
uh, what was after New Zealand? Thailand, Iceland, India, and Romania. Uh, and then in between each of these countries, I, I like to take – it's become kind of a tradition now. Uh, I, I did it kind of on a whim a couple times. But I like to road trip around the United States uh, and visit people here but then also visit small towns and visit other places. It, we, we've got a really great country because there's so many kind of countries within countries here. Uh, I, I really appreciate that about the U.S. far more than I did before. Uh, or, or I'll go other places. After Argentina, I, I bus tripped around South America and uh, I, I like to explore the region a bit other than just uh, putting down roots in one place. Yeah, I completely agree with you with the sentiment about the United States. You know, I always wanted to travel around the U.S., but as I started doing more international travel and then lived in Japan for two years, I came back and I thought I could spend five years going around the United States and not see <laughs> half of what I want to see. So I, right. I, I'm with you with that. I have more of an appreciation, not that I didn't before, but I just understand that I want to travel here more and that I don't have to go somewhere crazy all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I can go to the next state over or three states over, and it really is like a different country. Oh, yeah. We've got plenty of crazy right here in the U.S. <laughs> totally true. Totally true. Well, with this kind of traveling slow idea, like you're saying, you stay at a place for four months. What are some of the best parts about that? Like you, what do you get to see that someone who might go to a place for a week or a two week vacation doesn't get to see? The, the biggest difference in my mind is that when you're going to a place for a short duration, you tend to take a lot more uh, advice from outside the country, advice from people okay. who visited there before or advice from travel guides and whatnot. And that, that's fine. I mean, you go to some excellent places and meet some excellent people, but those tend to be very well-worn paths. Uh, and uh, again, not hating on it because that's a great sure. way to do it. I've, I've done it many places too. That's the best way to see the most in the amount of time that you possibly can. But when you go to a place and you're able to just take it slow, you go, you get a room in a, a hostel for a night or two so that you can go out and find a flat to rent and then you rent the flat and then you deal with bills and you go to the grocery store and, you know, maybe you go out on the weekend with friends that you met at a, a gallery opening or it, whatever it happens to be, you just live your life in a place and then you get to see how life is actually different there as opposed to tourist life. And even if you go to a place and you really, really try hard to avoid the tourist traps, it's almost impossible, especially if you've got a backpack on your back uh, or or whatnot. I mean, you stand out like a sore thumb, so you're going to be directed to places that are like easier. They're kind of whitewashed versions of what's actually there. It's not the places the locals go necessarily. Uh, In some cases, you get lucky or you'll meet the right person who takes you to those places. But being able to go there and spend the time. Uh, and, and to get all of your information on the ground. I, I don't do any research beyond reading the Wikipedia entry for a city before I go there. Uh, so I know the basics, like the language spoken and the population. <laughs> right. but, what but type of money that, you need, maybe. Yeah, exactly. Little things like that. But beyond that, I have to ask everybody for everything. And that means that you're always the idiot everywhere you go. Right. So I, I've kind of grown accustomed to that. And I like feeling comfortable being the idiot in every room that I walk into. A role you I, relish, huh? Yeah, is this is this milk or is this baking soda? Like, I mean, you can't really tell in a lot of cases. You walk into the grocery store and children know more than you. Yeah. So it, it's a very uh, it, it's a role that you have to get 
uh, accustomed to over time. But it's one that you grow to appreciate because you do lo- learn very quickly, and then you get to see these sides of countries and cities that y- you just would never hear of. You can look it up on the internet, and you won't hear about this stuff. You can ask the the best travel guides or the, the people who write the travel guides; they wouldn't have necessarily heard of this stuff either because it's not the parts that they advertise. You know, that, that's the stuff I love to see. Yeah, I think it also helps to set other people at ease too. If you know, if you're the idiot and you're coming asking them questions that are like very basic to anyone who lives there, it helps set them at ease because they realize like, well, this guy doesn't know anything. Anything I, like <laughs> they can't be wrong, right? Because you don't know anything. Exactly. Uh, I felt the same way in Japan and I realized the amount that I learned in the first month or two that I was there was as much, if not more, than what I learned in the following, you know, 20 months. And that's not to say I didn't continue to learn some new things, but you're just so, you don't know anything. And every, you're mm-hmm. like a sponge, right? And Yeah, the learning curve is so flat. It's yeah. like kindergarten all over again. Right, and it's a really, really neat feeling. The most vivid memories I have of Japan are from those first couple months because, you know, I, I went by this for the first time, or I went in the store for the first time, or saw this for the first time. So I, I think that, that traveling slow idea is great because it allows you to do that stuff. Whereas if you're there for a week, you're seeing everything in a week and you don't mm-hmm. really even have any time to kind of take that in. Or, or and it's a little, it's a little stressful too when you try to force everything into a very small amount of time. I, like I said, I, I do that sometimes too. When I was in Southeast Asia, I lived in Thailand, but I had a very short amount of time to spend in places like Cambodia and Singapore and Malaysia. Uh, so I really had to kind of cram things in. Yeah. So it's a different type of travel, but I relish the disorientation you can allow yourself to have when you can travel slow. If, if you get there fast and you start looking up things on your phone, you want to find a place with a decent rating, like you, you try to get the best experience that you possibly can under those circumstances, but the best experience you can possibly get under slow travel circumstances is on a completely different level. Yeah, yeah I, I completely agree. I, I guess the flip side to that then is you are going somewhere new every four months. So you're picking up your life, you're changing locations, you're, you know, that's totally foreign to almost everyone else in the world who lives this normal life. What are some of the biggest challenges you face? Because even though it's probably a good thing, is there stuff like logistically, like finding a place to live or, or even emotionally that you get there and sometimes you're like, oh man, this is kind of more than I bit off, you know, (laughs) and then, and how do you deal with those? Uh, Oh God. Yeah. There's a lot of, I mean, there's a lot of big downsides probably. There's a lot of little downsides. It's uncomfortable to always be in transit or to feel like you're on the verge of being in transit and just coming from that situation as well. Uh, so as especially when you first start out, not, not so much anymore, but when I first started traveling, I got sick a lot because it's just all these foreign bacteria and germs and shifting climates constantly, uh, dry skin and things like that happen to you constantly because you, you're just constantly trying to uh, change very quickly and adapt to your environment. And I wasn't accustomed to it growing up, you know, a middle-class dude in the Midwest uh, for most of my life of the United States. Um, relationships are tough. There are some people who feel like they don't, uh, just I'm talking friendships here even, who don't want to put in the effort for something that's temporal or for something that they feel like is going to end within a certain number of months. And that goes double for romantic relationships where it's never just a date. You know, everything has a caveat to it. You can go on dates, but then you're like, so just so you know. Uh, <laughs> right, like, is this, this is- going to go longer than four months? Because that's going to require a lot of effort. 
And if not, <laughs> you know, you got to speed things up even more. Yeah, exactly. You have to make that choice. And, and there's been several circumstances in the past four years, uh, the amount of time that I've been doing this, where I've kind of thought to myself, you know, what the hell are you doing? You should just, you should stick around here. Let's pursue this. But then at the end of the day, I decide, you know, you have to figure out what's important. And, and to me, continuing to expand my range and see the world from new perspectives is more important. And relationships can be maintained. Relationships you can always go back to. It may be that somebody else will get there before you if it, if it is a romantic relationship. And a lot of the people that I've been fortunate enough to meet or date uh, are married or whatnot by now. And, and that's cool. You know, it, it forces you to change your view of relationships, too. You don't try to cling to everything and think that you need to own it in order to enjoy it what what, with that i've heard a lot of different people talk about you know relationships and they go on these backpacking trips for a couple months or they live somewhere for a little while and they become really good friends with people and then they have a hard time maintaining those relationships or they get to the point where they they stop wanting to meet people like maybe you're doing a four-month backpacking trip you've met you know in the first two months you met a ton of people and then you realize they're going to go away at some point how do you maintain relationships and is it, I guess, easier or harder than you thought it would be? It's, it's much easier now. At, at first, I really thought, uh, you know, I'll meet these people, I'll grow very close to them, and then it's just like pulling up a tree by the roots. It's going to be very difficult to, to get it out of there completely and I'm going to miss it and going to regret it. Um, Thankfully, that it isn't really the case, especially living today, living in the future like we do. Uh, I mean, Facebook and email, and by the time I hop on a plane, I'm usually talking to friends from the place I'm leaving at the airport when I arrive, sometimes in the air. Like, it, there's not really goodbye. There's only see you later. Uh, so if you're willing to put in even the most minute amount of effort just to, to be friends on Facebook or to get the other person's email address or to Skype with them every you know, once a month or something, you're totally fine. And, and there's people actually back in the U.S., like my family. I talk to my family more now than I did when I lived with them. Yeah, I did the same when I was in Japan. I talked to people I hadn't talked to for years back home. But now all of a sudden I was Skyping and emailing them pretty much constantly. Yeah, yeah. And, and as long as you're willing to accept that uh, just an in-person thing is not the only way to have a relationship. It's not the only way to build friendships. It's not the only way to stay in touch and grow uh, the relationships. Then you're fine. I, it, there's a, a great quote, and I'm probably going to butcher it, by Dr. Seuss. Something along the lines of, uh, don't cry because it's over. Smile because it happened. Yeah. And that's the way that you have to live life if you're going to make travel a big part of your life. One of the things I've noticed as well with People who I've I've met traveling or when I lived in Japan or whatnot, and then I haven't seen them for, you know, whatever, a year or two years. It's funny because then when I do go and visit them, like I just did this with a few friends who I just saw in Spain who I hadn't seen for a year and a half. It It's almost like no time has passed. Like we think, <laughs> oh, man, it's been a year and a half. Like they're going to be different or something's going to be strange. And you get back with them and you're like, no, this is, we can have the same conversations. You know, none of us are any more mature than we were before. Luckily, <laughs> do, do you feel that same way? Have you had those type of experiences as well? Yeah, yeah. You can pick up where you left off in most cases. Sometimes your career will change or who you're dating will change or where you're living is probably definitely changed. Right. Uh, but at the root of it, you know, relationships are not about where you work. 
that the relationships that are about where you work, those are kind of relationships of convenience. Those are the, the people that you're friends with because they sit in the cubicle next to you or because right. you were in college with them just accidentally. They're not people that you really share strong emotional bonds or experiential bonds with. And those people, though, you don't have to worry about it because you will be able to pick up and you will be able to have new stories and you will be able to uh, pursue whatever the relationship happens to be further in the future. Yeah, I think that's a fear for a lot of people with traveling. They think, A, if they go away and leave their friends and family, that when they come back, things will be different. Or vice versa, when they are traveling, that they won't be able to make friends because they're only going to be with them for a short time. And I hear a lot of people saying that that fear of relationships one Mm -hmm. way or the other is a reason they don't travel. Uh, Obviously, both of us know that it it is possible. And and it happens with a lot of people who travel. And the more you travel, the better you get at it, I think. Yeah. And I mean, if that happens, it's usually a self-fulfilled prophecy. I'm not going to put too much effort into relationships because I don't think relationships can happen. Therefore, relationships don't happen. (laughs) So true. So true. One of the things I've always been interested in um, following your, your blog and bouncing around every four months is when is there anything that when you get to a new place, do you have any sort of routine that helps you acclimate to a new place? Is there something you're like amped up to do that when you get to that new place, you always do first, like I always do this? Or do you just kind of, you get there, you said you don't know much about it before you get there. So do you get there and go with the flow or or is there stuff that you always kind of do first? I try not to make any habits if I can until I'm in a place and I know I'll be there for several months. Uh, having habits is just... It's just setting yourself up for disappointment. I, I used to have so many habits back in the day. I was so productive all the time with all things. Uh, the, the type of guy who would experiment to see if I could sleep two hours a night and then you know right. would go to the gym at 3 a.m. and then get up at 7 and that type of thing. And with travel, you, you just simply can't. There, there's certain things that you can do personally that then if you have the materials with you, I, I wear contact lenses. So I know exactly how much time with the contact lens solution into the little cases, four seconds squeeze, four seconds squeeze. I could do that stuff in the dark. But anything beyond that that requires outside equipment, outside people, things like that, if you plan on it, you get disappointed. So, so generally, my, my modest operandi when I'm traveling is just to completely let go, go with the flow, figure out what makes sense at that moment, and then as I get there, create habits based on the environment and uh, the vi- environment that I'm in and the people that I'm around. Yeah, and I guess kind of building on that habits thing, I know that you are a minimalist. I think on your site you said you have maybe 60 things to your name. <laughs> I guess the question with that is, is there any, obviously it works for you. Is there any time that you've sat there and you've thought, I really need this and you don't have it? Or have you felt that the less you have, the more you use your stuff? What, what kind of, how does that work out, I guess? The nice thing about owning very little is that, one, it's far easier to travel. The, the less luggage you have, the yep. better travel will be, uh, obviously. Hop on, hop off, you know. It, on, exactly. On I, I do not like checking luggage no. <laughs> uh, or letting my, my bag out of my sight. Uh, but I, I've never actually encountered, and this is something I thought that I would encounter, but I've never actually encountered a situation where I've needed something that I couldn't get when I needed it. Uh, so I don't carry a corkscrew with me. But if I'm getting a <laughs> bottle of wine, I can get a corkscrew. It'll cost sure. a buck or two. Uh, it, or find somebody with a corkscrew or just you know jury-rig the thing and figure out a way to get the, the cork into the bottle or something. Um, that, that has been kind of the story of my past four years because I, I, I'm not sure how many things I own these days, probably 70-something, uh, maybe a little bit more. So I, in 
Missoula, I bought a bed and a desk. Okay. So I own furniture for the first time in four years. Uh, but owning few things has been only an advantage for me. I, I have never yet come across something that I'm thinking, God, I really wish I had that or I really wish I'd travel with it. Or, or if I have, if it is something small, I'll, I'll get that and get rid of something else. That way I can continue to carry everything I own with me. Uh, but then I have the most practical stuff with me at all times. Yeah, the one thing I can specifically remember not having with me once and wanting, and I was able to get it, but I was in Thailand, and uh, me and my wife wanted like a deck of cards. And, you know, in Thailand, you can buy a $1 or $2 dinner that's awesome. And we go to this little shack, and it was, I think, 8 U.S. dollars for a deck of playing <laughs> cards. I thought, you know, I'm sitting there thinking like supply and demand here. You know, he yeah. knows anyone who wants cards is going to have to pay that. But um, uh -huh. other than that, I'm totally with you. You know, bring a deck of cards and maybe a few <laughs> pair of shorts and shirts. You'll be fine. Yeah. Oh, the nice thing about that, too, is if you own less and you spend less money on superfluous stuff, then you have the extra money to spend on the deck of cards. There you go. It all works out, right? Yeah. One thing um, that I've always noticed with travel is that people have this idea, at least a lot of people I talk to, that travel is kind of a finite thing. Like you have your jar of travel and, you know, like, okay, you went here, so you put it in. You had this experience, you put it in. And it kind of builds, builds, builds. And they, you know, you get to a level where, okay, now, now I'm like filled up with travel. And that's what a lot of people say to me, like, well, when are you going to be done? Or, or when is it, <laughs> when is it over? Right? Like you've already done this. And like, for me, I think of it the opposite. Like the more I travel, the more my desire to grow travels and to see more things, I assume that it's the same for you. Maybe not, or maybe there's times where your travel jar has been filled up or whatever, but how is your desire? The more places you go, what how does that affect your desire to travel? And at this point, you know, how many different places could you say you've been and, and, you know, what does that do for what you want to do next? I've probably visited, uh, I counted at one point, I'm, I'm getting close to 40, I think countries that I've okay. been to. Um, so, so I, I know a lot of people who have been to way more places, sure. but it's, it's probably more than the average American. Um, the more I travel, though, same as you, the more I want to travel. Just the, the feeling that I get, the experiences that I get to have, um, the things that you learn, the things that you learn about the world and yourself when you're traveling. It is just such an extreme version of life. Uh, not extreme as in like jumping out of a plane extreme, right. but it's extreme in that you're a little bit uncomfortable all the time and a little bit on the verge of failure at all times. Right. <laughs> and, and, and kind of like playing Tetris, if you want to get better, you need to be always almost failing. And then that way you get very fast and very quick and thinking. Uh, same with travel. You always have to be on. You have to be figuring out what's going to happen next. And <clears throat> you're not able to just kind of coast the way that you can if you're in a very comfortable situation. And I like that. I, I feel like right now, this is the longest I've spent in the U.S. in the last four years. And it, with good reason. We're, we're doing some cool stuff here in Missoula. But uh, it's almost too easy at some points. And I find myself getting lazy on certain aspects yeah. of life. And, and I have to remind myself, don't do that. You know, This place can be just as interesting as anything else. It's just that when you don't have those little challenges all day, every day, you kind of lose a little bit of the momentum that you can have really easily on the road. Yeah, I, I agree. Your senses are so overloaded when you're traveling that even going outside or going to the store, like we said, is this new experience, this fun, kind of weird, kind of what's going to happen experience. 
and then when you're at home, you know, whether you're in Missoula or whether you're in Philadelphia where I am, I mean, you go to the store, the store is the store, right? You can read every box on the shelf. You know what is rice and what's sugar or whatever, <laughs> you know? And um, I, I feel the same way as you. I, I constantly have to challenge myself like, hey, there's a lot of cool stuff to do around here that I haven't done. And that's one of the reasons I actually like to have people come visit me, you know, wherever mm-hmm. I am, because you get used to a place, you kind of get stagnant. Someone comes and all of a sudden you're doing something that you wouldn't do on your own, mm-hmm. you know, and, or doing some touristy thing that, oh, I've done that before. But, you know, it's really been 15 years since you did it on like a class trip or something. Oh, you so, can see it through their eyes, too. Yeah. Suddenly everything is new again to a certain degree. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And, and I do have to push myself continuously to look at wherever I am and kind of get that travel experience, even if it isn't some exotic locale. Yeah, good call. Uh, I'm sure the question on everyone's mind at this point is like, how are you able to afford to do this? Like you talked about your branding (laughs) studio, right? And you made whatever, close to a million dollars. How do you make enough money to survive? How are you able to spend less money traveling than most people would if they were actually, you know, living somewhere at home? And I guess are there certain things that you always splurge on no matter what? Are there little things that you always like to spend money on? There, uh, it, the, the way I'm able to do what I do today is different than uh, four years ago when I started. The, the branding studio, actually, a lot of most of the money I made on that I ended up spending before I left to pay off debt. So I was completely out of debt by the time I left, though, which was very nice. And I had just a, a nice little buffer of money uh, to use, which I also used up eventually. Uh, right. w- when I made it to New Zealand, I had to change my business model. I, I was still running my branding studio from my laptop. But uh, New Zealand, gorgeous, unfairly gorgeous country. But their internet is just a travesty. Yeah. It is <laughs> the worst internet I've ever encountered. Uh, there were places in South America that didn't seem to have electricity that had better internet than New Zealand has in some of its bigger cities. Uh, I love New Zealand to death, but I just I could not work there because of that. And, and so I, I kind of ended up taking like eight months off where I, I didn't do any work that brought in income. Uh, because I couldn't figure out how how to right. make it financially make it viable. Yeah. yeah, when it's like a hundred bucks to have a Skype call and then yeah. another two hundred bucks to to try to send a file that cancels halfway through half the time, uh, it just it didn't make sense. So I, I decided then to transition. I'd been doing a lot of blogging, but I'd also written a couple nonfiction books on things like entrepreneurship and branding, and uh, I decided to make a go of that. So I, I started writing a couple other books. Uh, notably, I started dabbling. In to travel writing and not, not in terms of like, go to this hotel and, right. you know, you might enjoy this holiday in this country. <laughs> uh, but, but I'm no good at that kind of writing, but, but like the storytelling uh, type of element of it. So I, I ended up writing a lot of narrative nonfiction stories, which turned into a couple books. So now I make my living off of publishing primarily where right. I, I have a bunch of books on the market on different topics. I've started writing fiction recently, which is kind of a, right. a big stretch for me, but I'm having a lot of fun with it. Uh, and then I have a couple other things. I have a a project called Exiles where it's like a a premium newsletter twice a month. People get uh, five original pieces of writing and they pay like $36 a year for that. Um, uh, Lots of little things like that. And and now through the company that we're running here in Missoula, uh, Asymmetrical Press, me and these two other guys who are also authors, we're investing in other authors. So we're helping them produce their work and then we just make a a cut of all the sales of those. Very cool. And everyone can find your your books, I assume, on your website, and that'll link, I, I assume, to Amazon.com. And, mm-hmm. and yeah, all yeah. of them can be purchased on Amazon.com, I assume, yeah? 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, and if you want a really easy list of of my books and my other activities, uh, if you go to colingwright.com, somebody snapped up Colin Wright, but Colin G for GerardWright.com. I've and, got the list of everything. And Wright is W R I G H T, not yeah, yeah. Like, not like, like Colin G writes like writes a book. Okay, no, 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 no. <laughs> that that would be far too clever. Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> just just my name.com. All right, very cool. Well. There's a lot of people out there, obviously, that aren't going to have the same type of lifestyle as you or even as, as me who, who, you know, have regular nine to five jobs, like it and are happy with that, but want to make travel a bigger part of their life. And I get those emails all the time. You know, I I really want to travel. I don't know how I have a job. I'm not going to leave it. Da, 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 da. What type of advice would you have for those type of people? How can they make travel a bigger part of their life? And And I guess even, you know, why should they? Part of it, I think, is going to be having a better experience when you do travel. That, that more than anything, makes the argument for traveling more frequently and making it a larger priority. Uh, so I would say make connections with locals before you go to a place, if at all possible. Ask friends if they know people there. Go on Twitter uh, and see who's tweeting from an area. I very, very seldom am, uh, go to a place and I'm not able to find somebody on Twitter to have coffee with. Hmm. Just, just if you put out word or just say, hey, I, I just arrived in the city. Do you have any suggestions? People are generally incredibly welcoming and want you to have a really good experience in their city. So so put out those kinds of tendrils ahead of time. And even when you get on the ground, if, if you neglect to do it ahead of time or have trouble ahead of time. Uh, and then that way you can see a more, I don't want to say legitimate, but uh, less, less tourist industry uh, augmented version of the city yeah maybe uh, more authentic i authentic, guess we could we use yeah. yeah that's that's the word that i'm looking for uh a more, a more authentic view of the city because then you get to see you get to see all the wrinkles you get to see the, the good and the bad and getting that roundness of experience uh that's that's what keeps you coming back if you go to a place and it's like a spa uh you could go to a spa anywhere right. so then travel doesn't seem like such a priority but if you go to a place and it's a completely new world that that's huge and, and then then just start prioritizing based on that uh, not everybody likes to travel and that's totally cool too if you, if you want to go to paris for your honeymoon and that's it nothing wrong with that at all different strokes for different folks but I, I think in most cases most of us have a lot to gain from going and seeing how other people live and then being able to compare and contrast and make friends and exchange ideas and then and, and then just acting accordingly yeah very good advice I, I actually never thought of going on twitter i know there's meetups and you can go to couch surfing meetups and stuff stuff i've done a little bit but um yeah twitter is a very powerful tool uh, and i actually didn't think about that but i agree wholeheartedly i think a lot of people get scared of maybe an authentic experience or, or don't even know aren't scared maybe they just don't realize it and then mm-hmm. they do it once They're like wow this person showed me around the city for free they're a local why would they do it well they want to show around their city you know show off uh-huh. their city so and then you want to do the same for people who come right. to your city it's it's a nice it's a very virtuous cycle uh that that's what i found most people in the world are just like you they yeah. they just want nothing but happiness and good times for themselves and for everybody else so t- take advantage of that you know and then reciprocate yeah so I guess this is a little cliche, but of course I'm going to have to ask you some of your favorite places. But I want to put a a little bit of a spin on it. You know, what are some of the favorite places you've been? And also, are there any places that you might not want to uh, head back to right away? You know, maybe you'll, (laughs) you'll go a few other places before going back there. 
well, my usual response to what's your favorite place is it's impossible to choose because there's so many standards and each one was perfect at the time. It's kind of like ex-girlfriends or something like that where you can't compare them. It's not like you say this one was better and this one was second because uh, each of them made sense at the time and each, each of them is wonderful in their own way. Um, uh, New Zealand was the most naturally beautiful place I've ever been. Uh, Iceland has one of the most interesting recent histories and highest standards of living. Um, I'd say India, uh, I lived in Calcutta, was probably the most challenging okay. for me, just in terms of seeing something so unfamiliar and so kind of ground-shaking uh, for the, the foundation that I had built uh, culturally. Um, Places I wouldn't go back to probably, and it's totally unfair because I know I just arrived at a very bad time and had an incredibly bad experience, but Lima, Peru. Okay. People, so many people have said, dude, you will love Lima. Go to Lima. Come visit Lima. And I'm just like, God, Lima sucks to me because I arrived there after this crappy 72-hour bus ride from Buenos Aires. (laughs) and. Most buses that I had been on in Argentina were fabulous, but but the bus system there, the the big uh, colectivos, the ones that go from city to city, are amazing. They're all first class, great food, great friendly people, very clean, very reliable, excellent, clean bathrooms. Like, they're cleaner than the buses here in the United States. And somehow I got the one bad bus line. So I was on this bus without a functioning bathroom that had a drunk second driver sleeping in the <laughs> luggage bin under the bus. And then we're driving drunkenly up these mountains in Chile. And it's just the entire thing was terrifying and gross and scary because they were leaving people behind in the desert. If you hopped out, used the bathroom and didn't make it back fast enough. And then I arrived in Lima intending to go to Colombia right after, and I got stuck in a transportation strike where people were pushing boulders onto the highways <laughs> and locking up the airport. And, uh, An authentic uh, experience, though. Oh, man. Like, some, I was thinking, oh, well, I'll bribe somebody because that's what you do in South America when sure. things don't work. That's how you get things to work. And somebody did this before me, and they pushed their bus off a cliff. Like, it was that type of crazy stuff going on when I was there. So I was stuck in Lima, like, two weeks longer than I planned on going and missing all this really cool stuff I had to do in Colombia uh, and, and just sitting there twiddling my thumbs at this really overcrowded hostel just hating life in, in the most westernized part of town, Miraflores. So I go outside my hostel and there's a KFC and a Dunkin' Donuts and a Starbucks. And I'm just thinking, what the hell am I even doing here? Um, all that being said, I, I do understand that that's completely unfair because it was just a very bad experience at a very bad time. But I'm still a little bit hesitant to go back to Lima. <laughs> yeah, I, I. it's good to, I think, talking to people who do travel a lot because it, travel isn't always roses, right? And that's what makes it travel and that's what makes the good experiences so good and um yeah i think everyone who's traveled a decent amount has an experience like that where someone has recommended it 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 should be awesome on paper it's awesome (laughs) i was like that in uh in penang in malaysia yeah everyone said it was the best place on earth and i just it didn't work it was you know Mm. it rained all the time this and that but um yeah there's definitely going to be places that that maybe you don't want to head back to but it's it's good that you've had so many good experiences mm-hmm. and they always outnumber the bad experiences mm-hmm. give it enough time and you'll have just such epic great experiences to to think about remember and tell people about that i mean the bad experiences just become a, another story right so the, the i guess the final kind of question we have here is how long are you planning to do this is it indefinite <laughs> is there and and what comes next so you're in missoula now 
Mm-hmm. Is there something that comes next after this? Are you still waiting to figure out where you want to go next? or Waiting to find out. July, basically I committed to come to Missoula for six months so that we could work on this. And it may be that in July we decide it needs another six months so that we can really focus and get this project's foundation built correctly. And, and I'm willing to do that. The nice thing about having this kind of very flexible lifestyle is that you can choose what makes the most sense in the moment. Uh, but I'm definitely not done <laughs> traveling. In fact, I, there's probably not a day that I don't uh, annoy my the co-founders of this company by talking about how much I'm looking forward to traveling again. Uh, and, and I've already I've been here for like two months, and a month of that I was in Iceland. So I'm very bad at holding <laughs> still. Uh, so so yeah, lot, lots of travel continued in my future. I'm definitely continuing to take votes and the next opportunity that I have, where I'm sure that this business is is on its feet. Uh, I'm I'm going to hit the road and uh, you know go out and continue that that aspect of my life. Very, very neat. Well, Colin, it's been absolutely wonderful having you on the show. Um, Before I let you go, tell us people where they can find you online, how they can follow you, how they can support Exile Lifestyle. And um, if you want to talk about a few projects, you've kind of already mentioned a little bit, but stuff that you're working on or you might be uh, putting out in the near future. Yeah, uh, I mean, I'm kind of all over the place. I'm one of the more easily stalked people on the internet, probably. Uh, Just Colin Wright with one L, C-O-L-I-N-W-R-I-G-H-T. It brings up a lot of my my sites on the the front page of Google. Uh, There's Exile Lifestyle on Twitter. I'm Colin is my name, is my my name. Very neat, very neat. and then ColinGWrite.com, as I mentioned, has a list of all my activities in a very simple list. So you can find all of my books and my businesses like Asymmetrical Press and such there. Uh, Asymmetrical Press is really worth checking out, too. If, if you're a writer or publisher or want to get into that, we have this great community that's completely free, full of people trying to do the same thing, where we're just like sharing resources and putting together guides and stuff for folks. Um, so that's, that's asymmetrical.co if you want to okay. check that out. Great, great. Thanks again, Colin. And listeners, if you do have a question for Colin that we haven't answered here in the podcast, make sure to leave a comment over on this post at extrapackofpeanuts.com. I'll make sure Colin gets them. If he's got some time, maybe we'll respond to him. Um, and again, thanks so much, uh, Colin. I look forward to continuing following you and uh, see where you're heading next because it could literally be anywhere in the world. Hey, it could be. Yeah, thanks again for having me. Thanks for coming on the show. Don't forget to follow Colin at exilelifestyle.com or colinwright.com or on Twitter at Colin is my name, right? Yeah, yeah. Colin is my name. And it's colingwright.com. Colin G. Wright, excuse yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. If you like the podcast, don't forget to subscribe to it on iTunes. And if you're really feeling generous, go ahead, give it a rating. Until next time, happy free travels. Don't have to worry.